Welcome to the Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. This simple, scripturally sound preaching and teaching of the Word of God will direct you to Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Follow the Shepherd's Voice into the green pastures that God has purposed for you. There, you'll find rest for your soul and the fulfilled Christian experience you crave. God bless you as you listen. Let's bow down our heads and pray. Father, we are grateful to you this morning. And here we are once again at your feet, ready to receive your word. The entrance of your word gives light and it brings understanding to the simple. And this morning, we pray that we will have understanding. We pray that we will be enlightened. We pray that your Holy Spirit will reveal powerful things unto us. And that we'll be blessed because we came. We desire to know you. We desire to draw close to you. And may your word come in our way today. Help us to achieve and accomplish this. In Jesus' mighty name. And let everybody say, Amen. Hallelujah. Beautiful. This morning, I want to move into the fourth part of my series on that I may know him. That I may know him. And the him there is referring to our Lord and Savior Jesus himself. I'm not talking about you knowing the president of Ghana. I'm not talking about you knowing the president of Afghanistan. We are not sure who he is. I'm not talking about you knowing the president of the United States of America. Thank God for all their lives. But there is none compared to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it must be a lifelong quest and desire to know this Jesus. And I want us to move to our foundational scripture in Philippians chapter 3, reading from verse number 7. Philippians chapter 3, reading from verse 7. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Verse 10. Can we read it together? Ready? Go. Verse 10. And it's up there on the screen, the New Living Translation. Let's read it together. Ready? Go. Mm Mm-hmm. 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 I want to suffer with him. Mm-hmm. Sharing in his death. Continue. Ah, uh, continue verse 11. So that. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I think we can leave it there. And the King James Version says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. That I may know him. Everybody say, that I may know him. him. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings sufferings. being made conformable unto his death. Say it again, that I may know him. Say it one more time, that I may know him. Say it again, that I may know him. Hallelujah. Beautiful. Now, it is the great apostle Paul himself who wrote these words. And it was a letter that he wrote to the church in a place called Philippi. And he wrote this letter when he was in prison. And um, 
He was in prison either in Ephesus or in Rome. At the time that he was writing this letter, he knew that he was at the closing stages of his life and ministry. And he also knew that in the not so distant future, he was going to be executed because of his faith and because of the work that Christ called him to do. Now, round about this time also, he had completed all his missionary journeys. He had planted all the churches he planted. He had written almost all the letters that he wrote to the churches. And he had taught many powerful revelations, many of which formed the basis and the foundation of our Christian experience today. Really, we owe a lot to the Apostle Paul because it is through the revelations that Jesus gave him and his diligence to write these things down that we understand who we are in Christ. That is why we understand that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That is where we understand that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. It is through the writings of Paul that we understand that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, curse is he that hangeth on a tree. So there are many things we understand about our Christian life today which we can attribute to the powerful teachings and revelations that Paul was able to write to the churches. Somebody say, thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Beautiful. Now, is it therefore not amazing that somebody who did so much and accomplished so much and had so many revelations can actually write to the church in Philippi and say, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Somebody who did so much, somebody who achieved so much, somebody who accomplished so much. If you look at the New Testament alone, there are 26 books, well, books and letters in the New Testament. And Half of them were written by the Apostle Paul. One person, he wrote half of the entire New Testament. And this gentleman, at the point of death, at the closing stages of his life and ministry, he could actually say that, I want to know Christ. So this, ladies and gentlemen, reveals certain important things to us. And if you recall, I made you write down three very important truths or revelations. The first one is that the goal of the Christian life is to know Christ, be known by him, and be like him. Is that not so? What is the second one? Let me see how warm you are. What's the second important thing you wrote down? To know Christ is not an event, yes? It's a continuous, perpetual. There are people called perpetual, is that not so? Yeah. If you don't have an English name, consider perpetual as a name you can adopt. Perpetual. So it's a continuous, perpetual journey or experience so we are saying that when we talk about knowing christ it's not just something that happens once or it's not just a one-off experience that is what we can deduce from what paul said when he says that i want to know christ because he knew christ but by making that statement he was revealing to us that knowing christ is not just a one-off event it is a continuous it's a continuous, perpetual. That means that it goes on endlessly. It's a continuous, perpetual journey or experience. And there was the third powerful truth that you wrote concerning knowing Christ. Yes? 
knowing Christ should be more relational rather than informational. Now, knowing Christ requires you having information about him and requires you being well-versed about him and requires that you should be able to speak intelligently and, and, and discuss Christ with people. And that's something that all of us must be able to do because we've been called to be witnesses. Witnesses of what? Witnesses of Jesus Christ and the good news of salvation. Now, without having information that you can readily present to somebody for the person to become convicted to give his Christ to Jesus, to give his life, I beg your pardon, to Jesus, what it means is that you don't really know him. So to know him, you must have a lot of information about him. But this point is establishing that it's not just about having information about him. It's not just an ability to be able to talk a lot about him. A lot also has to do with the relationship that you have with him. Because let's face it, you can give a lot of information about somebody, but you may not have a relationship with the person. Is that not so? Hey. So, you can give a lot of information about Cristiano Ronaldo. And it's not a name of a perfume, it's the name of a footballer. Hmm? Yeah, you can talk about the fact that he's the one who has scored more international goals than anybody else. You can talk about the fact that last week he scored two goals. You can talk about the fact that he's the last player to be bought by Manchester United. Is that not so? As I'm saying all these things, this C row guy, I've never seen him before. I don't have any relationship with him. When they pay him the thousands of pounds every week, he doesn't even give me one pound. He doesn't give me. Yet here I am, in some faraway place, in a country called Ghana, reeling off information after information about somebody. I don't have any relationship with him, but I do have information concerning him. So that is what it is. Also. You must understand that knowing Jesus is not just about having information concerning him, but it's very much to do with having a relationship with him. So now in this series that I may know him, we are seeking to answer certain questions. And we have done well. We have answered two of them. The first one we were trying to answer was what does it mean to know Christ? And I, I, I taught extensively on that. Then the second one, how can we know Christ? I started that two weeks ago and then I continued last week Sunday for the third part of the series. And now we are moving to the third question that we are trying to find an answer to, which is what are the signs and evidence that we are progressing in our knowledge of Christ? What are the signs and evidence that we are progressing in our knowledge of Christ? Because you need to know whether you are making any progress in your quest to know Christ. And being a kind pastor, I'm trying to give you certain signs and evidence which will let you know if you are making progress or not. And it's important to know because if you don't know, you, you cannot assess yourself and you cannot judge yourself. Am I helping you by teaching you these things? Beautiful. So, what are these signs and what is the evidence that we are progressing? Remember that knowing Christ is not just an event though. It's not just a one-off experience though. It's not just something that happens once, so, and that is the end of it. I'm saying this because I met a white man who everything he says, he finishes with O. So, knowing Christ is not just an event, oh. Mm, it's good that you said you. And it's not just a one-off experience, oh. It is something that continues and goes on. It is perpetual. 
So, because it is not a one-off experience, you need to be able to know that how far have I come? Have I come from a very, 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 very far place? Or I am stuck at a certain junction in my life and I'm not making any progress. And we should be worried if we are not making progress in our relationship with Jesus and subsequently in our knowledge of him. It's a serious thing when you are not making progress. Because think about it. When you are not growing, you are dying. Yeah. When you are stagnating, it's actually the beginning of death. One of the signs that you are living and you are alive is when you are growing. When you stop growing, you should be worried. Because that is why when water is flowing through a gutter, it barely has a bad scent. But when it is stagnant in the gutter, it starts to smell eventually. So it's important for us to see progress in our Christian experience and in our knowledge of Christ. When we don't see such progress, we have cause to worry. And it means that we need to urgently rise up and begin to do something about our situation. Because knowing Christ is what guarantees you a place in heaven. Remember I shared with you from Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus said to some people, Jesus actually explained that on the last day, on the judgment day, when we gather before God and all of that, he will say to some people, you know, some people will say to him that, did we not heal the sick in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your names? Did we not prophesy in your name? And his response will be, get away. I don't know you. That's what he will say to some. He will say what? Get away. I don't know you. I don't want to hear those words. Look, as I say, my bro, my bro, so to go all the way, Peter has allowed us into heaven. Then we stand before the, the, the judgment seat of Christ and then you say that, go, I don't know you. But for information, you can't do Takashi there. You see, there are some people, they feel that they are wild dharma. Everything. Patapa, Takashi. Any day in view. Giddy, giddy. I read. You see that all the time. I ask yourself, what are people fighting about? You can't take that thing there. One day, there's no calibrate. Somebody said that, hey, as for him, and this guy, forgive me, um, all gone brethren, but this guy was gone. He said that eh, if he gets to the heaven gate and he sees Peter, or as a gun man will say, Peter, and he says to Peter, open the gate for me. So that I'll come in. And if Peter says, You can't come here, go to hell. Your name is not written in the book of. He said, I will look at Peter's face. And I'll tell him, You to go to hell. You to go to hell. So in time, he said, Bomo ya hell, Bomo ya hell, ya, Bomo ya. Peace. Heaven, you can't, you can't do that today. You can't. So I'm just explaining to you that we really need to work on this very important thing of knowing Christ and knowing him for ourselves. For yourself. Not just based on what your pastor has told you. Not just based on the teachings you receive in church. And I'm advising you, when you come for a service like this, or when you hear any man of God preaching, no matter who he is and where he's come from, whatever he's saying, go back, pick your Bible, run some checks, confirm if the things that you are hearing are true. Don't just swallow everything that is given to you. 
It's not everything that you're supposed to eat. Because there are some things that look like food, but they are poisoned. And they can destroy you. And destroy your Christian experience. And pastors know that. Which is sometimes their trump card that they use to be able to control their church members and, 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 and manipulate them. So they teach them things and teach the things in such a way that you, you, you can't even ask any questions about anything anymore. But what you don't realize is that it is putting you in bondage. And you may come to your senses one day and realize that, hey, I have been led astray. What is your protection against such thing? You must know Christ for yourself. And you can Thank God for our pastors. Thank God for our teachers. Thank God for our prophets. Thank God for our evangelists. Thank God for apostles. Thank God for all these five great offices that God created. They have a role to play. And I'll make reference to it as I continue. But the, what they are, their work, their responsibility is to ensure that their congregation, the members of their congregation, the believers that they have been put in charge of, they grow and they mature and increase in their knowledge of Christ and that they will know God for themselves. That's how it's supposed to be. Oh yes, there was a time when the presence of God and knowing God was not something that ordinary people had experience of. Under the old dispensation, under the old testament, if you talk about the anointing of ha- or having the Holy Spirit, because remember that I, I, I taught you that knowing Christ involves having revelations from the Holy Spirit. You need to have a certain relationship with the Holy Spirit for you to know Christ well. But here we were, in those times under the old covenant, the Holy Spirit, you will usually find him with the prophets with the priest or with the king. Okay, now you find a judge or something like Samson and Deborah and these people where the Holy Spirit will come upon them. But the ordinary masses did not have a certain encounter of the Holy Spirit. And the result of that was that they did not really know God the way they were supposed to know him. In fact, the Bible says that God taught Moses his ways and the people of Israel his acts. Which explains why God had so many problems with them. You would have thought that, you know, based on the experiences that they had of God, of his acts, the miracles that were done. They were there when the Red Sea was parted in twain. They were there when a highway or a motorway or an N1 was created on the floor of the sea for them to walk across. They were there. They crossed it. To the left and to their right, they could see real lifetime aquarium. They could see. They could see the whales. They could see the sharks. They could see the barracudas. They could see the dolphins. So they were traveling, but it was an enjoyable journey. Sights and sound of the sea. They were there when the sea filled up as the armies of Egypt attempted to also cross. It's not every road that you try to cross. I don't know who advised them. He gave them very bad advice. You see, before they crossed, they should have told themselves, hmm. Yenko. 
Why? Because it is not normal to have a road constructed in the middle of the sea. Mr. Tell said, we were not the ones who made the road. It was not Pharaoh who con- constructed it. So, these guys, maybe the one who made the road for them is with them. He's not with that. So, let's stay there and just stand there and what do we do? Bye-bye. Go. They attempted to cross and that was the end of their lives. The people of Israel, they saw it. They experienced it. When they needed water, Moses hit the rock and that thing cost him his place in the, in the promised land. And water came out of the rocks. They were there when manna fell from heaven. When you need bread, you go to Auntie Ajele's bakery or you go to hot oven to go and buy your bread. They, they, they wake up in them and when they go, bread, nice bread, nice bread. When they got tired of the bread and they said, yeah, penam, quails fell and they ate to their fail. When you need meat, where do you go? Baba Buzanges butchery shop. That's where you go and get your thing to. They experienced all of these things, but they did not really know him. And it showed in how much they rebelled against God and all the frustrations that God had with them. That's what I'm explaining to you. That one of the reasons for that thing was that there was a certain experience of the Holy Spirit that results in your knowledge of God that they did not have. Which is why it is significant that when Jesus on the cross cried out and said, it is finished, something very phenomenal happened. The Bible says there was an earthquake and then the temple, the holy of holy places, there is a curtain and that curtain is six inches thick. Six inches is about this. That's the thickness of the curtain. The curtain you have in your house, it's in millimeters. This one was six inches thick. It was torn into two from the top to the bottom. And what did it symbolize? It symbolized that now the presence of God was no longer going to be contained in that special room only. That now the presence of God that was restricted to only a special category of people, that presence was going to be made available to everybody else. And everybody can know God for themselves. And everybody can have the Holy Spirit living inside them. And everybody can have a deep, intimate relationship with God through that experience of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So you must know him that I may know him. What are the signs and evidence that we are progressing in our knowledge of Christ? Number one, one of the signs is that you become more mature and you put away childish things. You become more mature and you put away childish things. It's one of the signs and evidence that you are actually progressing in your knowledge of Christ. You become more mature and you begin to put away childish things. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 to 14. Ephesians 4 11 to 14. New Living Translation. Now we've read the scripture before. I alluded to it just a few minutes ago. But let's read it. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. So here, the Bible is identifying what the responsibility of pastors, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and teachers is. Their responsibility is to equip their church members, believers, Christians, to equip them to do the work of God, And also to build up the church, the body of Christ. Pastors are supposed to build up the church, not to destroy it. We are supposed to build up the church and not to destroy it. So anything that we do that brings the church down or brings the church into disrepute, that makes people talk about the church anyway, anyhow, then let it be known to us that we are doing something very bad and we are actually destroying the body of Christ. Hmm. Now, this equipping of God's people to do his work and this building up of the church, the body of Christ, to what purpose 
is it? It continues and says, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith, number one, and number two, and knowledge of God's son. So, men of God, pastors, ministers of the gospel, have a responsibility to equip believers, to equip their church members, to build up the body of Christ. And the objective of it is so that we will all come to such unity in our faith. What that means is that we have to understand that we are one body. We are many. There are many churches. There are many different denominations. But our maturity is revealed in our understanding of the fact that though we are many, we are one body. We are one body in Christ. And pastors, as they are equipping their their church members, they are supposed to get them to the point to understand that it doesn't matter which denomination you operate under. It doesn't matter. The important thing is to recognize that we are one body in Christ. We have one faith. There is one God. There is one Lord of all. That is the understanding that we must come to. And it is the duty of ministers of the gospel to get their church members to get this truth inside their coconuts. When we do that, it means that we are fulfilling our mandate and we are carrying out the responsibility that God has given to us. But not just that alone. Not only are they supposed to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church in the body of Christ so that we will all come to such unity in our faith. Another thing is that we should come to such knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord. Knowledge of God's son that will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. What it means is that one of the objectives of ministers of the gospel is to get the people they minister to to know God so much that they will mature. So it means that the more they mature, the more you can say that they know God. And when it talks about, put the scripture back up again, when it talks about measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. It means becoming more like Jesus. That's why I explained to you in the earlier point that the goal of every Christian must be to know Christ, to be known of him, and to become like him. So that's what this last part means. But continue from there. It goes on to say, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. You hear something new, no? Hey, another revelation has come. Let's forget about the old revelation. Let's run with the new revelation. Every new thing that comes, you see that a lot of believers are running. Hear that there's a latest man of God in town. He's come with some powerful revelation. Then off they go. It's a sign of immaturity and being childish. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Watch it. Because there is a lot of that in Christendom today. Things that are taught, that sounds so clever. That sounds so deep. But they are actually lies. And the intention of it is to keep believers in bondage. To keep them at a place where they can be controlled and manipulated all the time. And a lot of us have fallen for those things. So one of the signs that you are progressing in your knowledge of Christ. Is when you're becoming progressively mature. And you put childish things away. Write this down. Your maturity as a child of God. Your maturity as a child of God. Is linked to your knowledge of Jesus. 
your maturity as a child of God is linked to your knowledge of Jesus. The more you know him, the more mature you become. Does that make sense? You are not minding me. It means it doesn't make sense. Your maturity as a child of God is linked to your knowledge of Jesus. The more you know him, the more mature you become. Everybody say with me, the more I know him, the more mature I become. The more mature I become, the more I know him. So you can see that the inverse is also true. So the more you know him, the more mature you become. And the more mature you become, the more you know him. So they are linked. Your knowledge of Jesus and your maturity are greatly connected. So if you ask me, pastor, how do I know that I'm progressing in my knowledge of Christ? One of the answers that I'll give you is that your maturity speaks volumes about whether you are progressing in your knowledge of Jesus or not. And one clear way that your maturity is revealed is when you put childish things away. Childish things, you begin to put them away. Now, what are some of the cardinal signs, you know, of children? What are the things that you you associate with children? Talk to me. Preach with me. They cry. Eh? There's a mother who is at the back and she's laughing. No, but this is your daughter. She doesn't cry a lot. She just responds to the preaching with a shout or two. Alright? But it is true. Children cry a lot. What else do they do? They sleep anyhow. Or as we say in Ghana, they sleep by heart. So if you come to church, for example, and you are always sleeping, it's a sign. It is a DNA. It's a sign. But it's also true that sometimes the one who is preaching can make you sleep. Yes, please. And it takes... Yeah, so then it's like they're singing. Sleeping, sleeping, church member, sleeping. It's true. And when it's like that, you have to draw on your last reserve of self-control to stay awake. You see. So, children, one of the signs, they sleep by heart. Tell me more, tell me more. You seem to know a lot of... They... (laughs) Who said it? Your brother did. They they eat by heart. But that's not what you said. They eat by heart. Eh. (laughs) Okay, we'll take it. And then you said something else. They mess up. And they behave anyway, anyhow, wherever they are. They don't care if you see a baby. He doesn't mind whether the president of the United States of America is around. If he wants to do the do, he will do. He doesn't care at all. If he wants to cry, he will cry. So these are all signs of children. Is that not so? Unfortunately, when you bring it to Christian growth and development, because you see, you need to understand that a Christian goes through a certain progression. In his Christian experience. He starts off as a baby. And then he's supposed to grow up. And become a child. And then become an adult. So there is such a progression also. In spiritual things. And just as we have. Natural babies. We also have spiritual babies. And there are a lot of Christians. Who are spiritual babies. They may have been born again. For years. But they haven't matured because they still do a lot of childish things. It's interesting what Paul says about children. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 11. Quickly. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 11. New Living Translation. He says, when I was a child, I spoke, I thought, and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now, he's not talking about natural babies, really. 
He's saying this to refer to spiritual babies as well. And when you're a spiritual baby, if you're somebody who is not progressing, who is not maturing in the Lord, which means that you are not progressing in your knowledge of Jesus, you talk a certain way, you think a certain way, you reason a certain way. And it's very difficult to get you to understand things. When a baby is hungry, he doesn't understand that I'm just warming your milk small so that I can give it to you to drink. He doesn't understand that. Why are you crying? I'm just warming the milk to bring it to you. So be patient. Does he understand anything? And a lot of Christians are like that. They don't understand it because when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. So your, your, your childish things are revealed by the way you think. By the way you reason and analyze things. It's a sign that you've not matured in the Lord. By the way you swallow everything that is said to you. They say, do this, no, you are doing. You, haven't, you are not thinking deeply about what you've been asked to do. You are not analyzing it. Because children don't understand analysis. They don't. All they understand is eat, sleep, cry, play, and mess up. It's called mess up. That's all they understand. And there are a lot of church members who are like that also. The way we talk. One of the ways you can tell when somebody is immature is the way the person talks and the kind of comments that the person makes. So sometimes it is said to adults, it's the way you are talking. It's the way your mind is working. It's the way you are reasoning. It shows a child Children are always doing wakam, wabom, waiting, wakam, wabom, waiting. One of the signs of children quarreling. Have you been quarreling with your sister? Does she quarrel with you sometimes? Speak the truth. Your mother is here. Your mother is here. And Daniel is looking at you closely. Children, sometimes you hear, you hear, hey, and then when you go, hey, 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 is, it, is, it, is it not, Ephia, uh, Ephia uh, said my head. But if Ephia said your head, your head is not an insult. So if he says your head, tell him that you to your nose. Then you just leave off quarreling and then just move on. What's a big deal? So when you see a lot of quarreling that is not ending, it's a sign that somebody is not growing up. And somebody is not maturing. And somebody doesn't really know Jesus. So one of the signs that you are maturing in the Lord, or one of the signs that you are getting, or you are progressing in your knowledge of Jesus, is when you begin to put away childish things, and you become more mature. Am I making sense to somebody? Number two, the second sign, you grow spiritually. So, in a certain sense, I, I've talked a bit about it. You grow spiritually. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 to 13. Spiritual growth is a way of judging whether you are developing or progressing in your knowledge of Jesus. Spiritual growth. Now, by the way, it doesn't just take one or two of these things to conclude that I'm progressing. You need a combination of all these different things that I'm sharing with you. And it's important that I stress this. Because then sometimes people feel that because I know a lot of scriptures, it means that I know Jesus. Knowing a lot of scriptures is important. It's, it's one of the qualities we are looking for. But it is not enough to say that. Amen. Amen. Hebrews 5, 12 to 13. You have been, New Living Translation please. You have been believers so long now. That you ought to be teaching others. Do you get that? 
you, you've been born again for a very long time. So by now, we are expecting you to be teaching others. Is it teaching them astronomy? Or mathematics? Teaching them what? The word of God. The word of God. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. So there you can see God's word. Is that not so? You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. The more you are into the word of God, the more you are able to understand deep things of the Bible, the more mature you become. And it's easier for us to say that this person is growing spiritually. Amen. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. I have a little infant right here. The only thing, oh, I know she started eating solid food now. But once upon a time, she eats jollof. Hey. And jollof. And fish. Once upon a time, the only thing that she could eat or drink. Do we eat milk or we drink it? Um, the only thing that she could drink was milk. You can't go and organize a mutuo and a benkati konto and give it to a three months old baby. You will kill the child. You will kill that child. So when you are at a certain state, the only thing you can handle is milk. But this little beautiful girl, my granddaughter, as I'm looking at her now, now she eats Jollof. Mpotompoto. I, 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 there is no English name for Mpotompoto. So just take it like that. Hot today. <laughs> Cocoa yam porridge. Hey. She eats those things. It's mixed with fish powder and other things. It's a sign that she's progressing. It's a sign that she's growing. Because now she can handle wilder things. Once upon a time, it was just milk, but she's progressed from there. Hallelujah. And that is how it is also. As a Christian, there's a time when you're a baby Christian, but you're expected to grow. Look, let's look at some other scriptures. First Peter 2 2. As newborn babies, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Is that not so? Jude 1 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So in the earlier scriptures, I'm referring to the word of God. Then in this last one, I'm referring to prayer. Ladies and gentlemen, there are certain activities that you must engage in, in order to be able to grow spiritually. Amen. Amen. And when you engage in these activities you get to know the lord more and the more you grow that is the connection what are some of the activities that causes us to grow spiritually prayer what else fasting reading the bible what else fellowshipping these are different activities that give rise to spiritual growth so that's why in Sunday school, we taught a song. Read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day. If you want to grow, if you want to grow. And I insist, these things must be taught in children's churches. It's important to do these things. Let's not get so sophisticated that we feel that when you do these things, millennials, so you don't need those things. You have to come and be showing them cartoons and what have you. Please, teach them. Read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day. 
Read your Bible, pray every day if you want to grow. If you want to grow, if you want to grow, hallelujah. Read your Bible, pray every day if you want to grow. There's a reason why we teach these songs. And I learned this many years ago, but I still remember it. So these are things, these are activities that make you grow. And I'm explaining to you that the more you engage in these activities, what actually happens is that the more you get to know the Lord, because Jesus is the Lord of the Bible. When you read the Bible, he's revealed unto you. And you get to know him more. When you pray, you are communicating with him. When you pray, you are communicating with him. And the person you communicate with is the person you get to know the more. So there is a correlation between spiritual growth and knowing the Lord. If you ask me, therefore, Pastor, how do I know that I'm progressing in the knowledge of Jesus? One of the things I'll tell you is that you must grow spiritually. Is somebody learning powerful things today? I'm enjoying what I'm sharing with you. I tell you. Number three. The third sign. You must increase in your ability to discern between what is right and what is wrong. It's a sign that you are progressing in your knowledge of Jesus. You must increase in your ability to discern between what is right and what is wrong. You must increase in your ability to discern between what is right and what is wrong. Hebrews 5.14 Hebrews 5.14 New Living Translation Solid food is for those who are mature. You see that we keep coming back to this maturity thing. Who through training or experience have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong it's one of the things you look out for the more mature you become the more you know god and the more you know him the more you are able to discern between what is right and what is wrong so if you're in church and something wrong is going on you should be able to discern that what is going on is wrong if you are a child of god and you encounter certain teachings or you encounter certain things. If you are progressing in your knowledge of Jesus, if you are knowing him as the day goes, as the days go by, one of the things that you discover is that you are able to immediately pick up and say, Ah, but what are they saying? It's wrong. Those who have not grown and developed and matured, they cannot see. They cannot see it, they cannot discern between right and wrong. And so they are taken captives all the time. But when you get to that point and you can discern that no, this thing that I'm hearing, this is right, this is wrong. This thing that he said I should do, it is wrong. This way of relating and behaving, it is wrong. I cannot flow with it. When you get to that point, it's a sign that you are progressing in your knowledge of Jesus. Number four. The fourth sign, you increase in your ability to recognize Christ and to recognize when he is at work or not. It's related. I'll say it again. You increase in your ability to recognize Christ, water please, and to recognize when he is at work or not. That is one of the signs that you should look out for to convince yourself that you are progressing in your knowledge of Jesus. And what is this sign again? You increase in your ability to recognize Christ. Know that Jesus is here. Amen. You recognize that Jesus is here. And you recognize that he's at work. Or he's not at work. You need to get to a point in your Christian experience and in your knowledge of Jesus that when he's present, you know that he's present. When he's part of something, you know that he's part of it. When he's involved in something that is going on, you know that he is there. And when he's not there, you can say, he's not in it. When you see certain things happening, you should be able to tell that he's not at work here. 
what we are seeing, it is not Christ. It is actually the devil. But it's only knowing God and progressing in your knowledge of Jesus that will, be, that will help you to tell that this thing that is going on, there's something very wrong with it. Hallelujah. John 21, verse 6 to 7. It's okay. I'll survive. See, John 21, 6 to 7, New Living Translation. Then he said, Now Jesus met the disciples. I read the scripture in one of the earlier teachings. You know, Peter had told the others that I'm, I'm going fishing. There were seven of them, and they said that we'll go with you. So they, we went onto the, into the sea to go and fish, but they didn't catch anything. And then suddenly they heard a voice shouting, Paddies, crew, what's up? Have you been able to catch anything? They said no. And said, oh, let down your nets. Right there, you'll catch. So that's the story there. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved. What's his name? What's the name of the disciple whom Jesus loved? What's his name again? John. 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 You must increase in your knowledge of the word of God. So that when I ask this question, you don't think that I'm trying to trick you. Why would I bring you to church to come and trick you? It's not a trick. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, think about it all. This is John, and he recognized Jesus because he knew him. And he recognized that this is Jesus based on what they experienced. Immediately they let down the nets and they realized that a short while ago they had done that and didn't catch anything. But now, they let it down based on an instruction that somebody shouted out to them from the shore. Immediately he knew that it is the Lord. So when you know him, you recognize that he's around. And you recognize that what is going on, he's hand day inside. And this other thing, the way they go on, in hand, no day inside. And as a child of God, you should recognize it. Because all, of, all, all sorts of things happen in Christendom. As they are happening, you should be able to discern and recognize that what is happening, Christ is in it. Or Christ is not in it. Or this thing that is going on, Christ is involved or Christ is not involved. Hallelujah. Amen. Number five. Hey, our time is up. Number five, the fifth sign. You can say so much about him based on your relationship with him. And how much information you have about him. Write it down. You can say so much about him. This is the fifth sign that you are progressing in your knowledge of Jesus. What is this sign again? You can say so much about him. Based on your relationship with him. And based on how much information you have about him. Did you get that? Based on your relationship with him and based on the amount of information you have about him and on him, there's so much you can say about him. And once you can say so much about him, based on your relationship with him, based on the information you have on him, it is a sign that you are progressing. It's a sign that you are progressing in your knowledge of him. First John chapter 1 verse 1 to 3. I'm, I'm going to end and we'll continue next week. Would it be a problem to end and continue next week? No. First John 1, 1 to 3. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. This is John again, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. Please get the communion ready. This one who is life itself was revealed to us. And we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you 
that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you. So we proclaim means that we are talking. We can say a lot of things. We can declare a lot of things. We have a lot of info about him. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard. A relationship we had with him. So that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, based on all that John is saying here, you can tell that he knew him. From the things that he wrote here, he's trying to make a clear point that I know him. And I know him because I saw him. I heard him. I had a relationship with him. I know him because I have a lot of information about him. I know that it is he who has eternal life. I know that he was there from the beginning. I know that he is the word of life. I know that he was revealed unto us. This is Jesus Christ, the son of God. So I, I, I know him. And I can say that I know him because of the relationship that I have with him and because of the information that I have about him. It's one of the signs that you need to look out for if you want to measure the extent of your progress in your knowledge of Jesus. The more you can talk about him, the more you can discuss him, the more you can speak to people about him, the more convinced we will become that you actually know him. Hallelujah. So these are five of the signs. There are ten of them, but time will only permit me to share five. So next week, Sunday, I'm going to continue and take us into the rest. But I believe that you're going to be blessed and you've already been blessed by today's teaching. Is that not so? Oh, don't say that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the focus of today's teaching is to help us to see the signs and the evidence that we are progressing in our knowledge of Jesus. We will continue next week, Sunday. Clap your hands and bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Bow down your hearts and let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you today. We are grateful for the teaching that has come forth, revealing unto us what to look out for. What are the signs and the evidence that we are progressing in the knowledge of Jesus? I ask, O God, that by your Holy Spirit, may we begin to see such progress as he guides us and leads us to operate in all these different signs that we've learned today in the name of Jesus. May we become more mature. May we experience spiritual growth. May we be able to recognize Christ when he is at work and when he is not at work. May we be able to speak extensively about him and to tell others about Jesus. I pray that our experience of him will be deepened so that we can say to ourselves that we are progressing in our knowledge of him. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And as every head is bowed, every eye closed, for any reason you're watching this video and you're live streaming and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I want to pray with you. Knowing him starts with you surrendering your life to him. And I want you to pray a prayer. It's a simple prayer, but pray it from your heart and do so with a lot of faith. Say this prayer with me everywhere you are. Say, Heavenly Father, Today, I come to you just as I am. I want to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. And so today, I open my heart and I receive Jesus as my Lord and personal Savior. For the rest of my life, I will serve him. I will follow him. Thank you, Father, for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to The Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. We do hope that you were greatly blessed. For further inquiries, please call, WhatsApp, or send an SMS text to plus 233-243-886-622. God bless you.